Welcome to Ballistic Radio. Join us as we discuss hard-won self-defense lessons, as well as the information you need to survive a violent encounter. Listen as armed professionals, industry experts, national champions, and gunfight survivors answer all your firearms and self-defense questions while exploring your rights and responsibilities as an armed citizen. Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire, America's beacon of freedom. And now, here's your host, John Johnston. Welcome to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire, America's beacon of freedom. I'm your host, John Johnston. Remember, you can always listen to past shows at BallisticRadio.com. Get the latest behind-the-scenes info, arguments, photos, videos. I don't know. Me doing stuff. Me not doing stuff. Me living a semi-charmed kind of life at Facebook.com slash Radio. Co-hosting with me, absolutely no one. I'm sorry, guys. You gotta, you're stuck with me tonight. But, but, Tim Heron's going to be joining us in just a second. Before that, though... This segment brought to you by Lucky Gunner and Federal Premium Ammunition. Whether there was a firefight or you do, in fact, want to worry about that little guy, you need more ammo. And when it's time to restock, you can't beat Federal Premium Ammunition at LuckyGunner.com. With a shipping department that's always moving at 88 miles per hour, if I order a case of American Eagle from Lucky Gunner on a Thursday, it's at my doorstep ready to shoot before the weekend starts. Head to LuckyGunner.com today to check out their in-stock lineup of Federal Premium Ammunition. And remember... Unless you're on fire or drowning or some other scenario that I have not considered, perhaps you are a delivery driver, you can never have too much ammo. So, super happy to have on the show, Tim Heron. Tim, how's it going, man? Hey, it's going great, John. Thanks for having me on. No, dude, you're, uh, you're always welcome here. It's because I like you so much. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> I'm like the I'm like the little buddy that everybody wants to put in their pocket, I think. Well, I mean, yes, I would like to put you in my pocket and you are <laughs> you are little, I guess. But uh no, dude, so you happen to be like the nicest guy I know in all of this. So oh, other than being the I've... absolute nicest guy in shooting, for those that don't know, what else do you do? I guess. Ah, well, um I started out uh, in, in, in competition. Um, I started out, you know, like shooting pistols just to, to learn how to better defend myself back in about 2010. And uh, I quickly kind of found competition, uh, USPSA uh, primarily, um, as kind of a, an outlet or a source of a, a newfound passion and hobby. And uh, I picked it up pretty quickly and, uh, and I have now kind of dedicated my <laughs> dedicated my life to, uh, to to pistol shooting and and, and handgunning. So um, I, I, I compete and have competed at the top level. Uh, I I would like to think the top level of the uh, of USPSA and, and the pistol sports for since 2012. I think is when I really took everything seriously up till now, and then have recently kind of uh, tossed my hat into the instructor arena nice. and am uh, moving into. Uh, being a full-time a full-time firearms instructor. Well, so let me ask you about that, dude. So you've been a GM for a while now. You do what I consider to be just incredible, amazing things with a handgun. But I guess um, what what's been like sort of the biggest takeaway is you've started to instruct. 
Um, gosh, honestly, that it's it's a continuous journey of learning, even as an instructor, you right. know, um, and, and learning more than anything, you know, like how, how narrow a, a lane actually is, you know, as far as like <laughs> shooting, you know, if you have like, you know, competition shooting and you've got defensive instructors and you've got competition instructors and you, you know, uh, tac- you know, instructors that teach tactics and, you know, like vehicle close quarter combat. And you know what I mean? It just, it's, Knowing my place in this, you know, kind of very small universe of of the industry, but constantly seeking knowledge on it. You know, like, like I don't have all the answers, but I want to. You know, I want to know as much information and share as much information as I possibly can with with everybody. Um, and and that passion now has kind of trans has kind of transpired from like wanting to just go to competitions and, and win or dominate to like, I want to teach other people to, to have their, you know, to have their own successes and see their own progress. And for me, like that, that now has become like my newfound passion. It's just like, I love it. I love it when I see a student, you know, just have that aha moment, you know? Right. Well, and that's, that's kind of funny you mentioned that because like, especially when I first got started out, um, I think I did a really bad job of, doing things for the right reason, you know? Uh, a lot of it was, mm-hmm. uh, hey, I'm going to do this thing because it's going to make me look cool. And that's that's the important part, right? And, is <laughs> I, you know, well, I mean, rule number one is always be cool, uh, I, I right. think. That's, that's what they said. But, like, as I got more into this, and especially when I started um, <clears throat> really having a lot of, you know, like, students come through, like, whatever cool mm-hmm. stuff I've accomplished, like, seeing the students do something awesome is a million times better, you know, like being, absolutely being able to help like facilitate that, you know, has been super cool. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if if I can do anything else other than just like, I actually, I should say wording that wrong. I wouldn't care to do anything else at this point now in my life or career than if, than to just be a catalyst to spark somebody else's interest or journey into whether it be the competitive realm of pistol shooting or the defensive realm, or, you know, just, they just, they want to improve and progress, you know, for their own reasons, right. you know, and if, and if I can, like you said, help facilitate that or, or be the catalyst for that, to me, that, that that's the best feeling on, on earth. Well, so, I mean, we got about three minutes left in this segment, but what for you, I guess, got it to where you decided like, Hey, teaching is something that, that I'm going to jump into now? Um, you know, it, it's, it's guys like you um, and other people that seriously, um, you and Melody uh, have been instrumental in just, and whether you know it or not, just like watching and, and being there to see the successes that you guys have had, you know, not only with just the radio show, but with the uh, citizens defense network, um, you know, guys like Craig Douglas, um, Steve Fisher, um, you know, Will Petty. I mean, these are all guys that, you know, I, I consider just, you know, we both obviously consider them, you know, mutual friends, but I mean, they're, they're family. Yeah. And, you know, to, to have those guys like really have my back and, and, and kind of like give me the push needed to be like, dude, you know, you're, you're better than just, you know, a competition shooter, like get out and spread the word. Like, you know, I was, Facebook and Instagram and, you know, shooting you know, pistol forms and, and places like that where I'd like to share information. And those guys are like, dude, you know, like 
you're, you're good at this. Like you could do this, get out and do it. Right. And it, it's awesome to have those guys, like all of you guys, like in my corner, you know, and it, it's, it's, it's given me the, the push and the, you know, the direction I've needed to, like, I want to, I want to make a go at this. Well, so. it seems like too that, um, you know, we got about 90 seconds left in this segment and then we'll get into it. But, uh, I've got, a, you know, I have sort of dipped my toe into the competition world and I've been in the tactics world for a little while now. And whatever you feel about either one, I really think that the, the Timmy's and I'll make fun of us, right? Uh, I can do that. I am one. Um, the thing that we do really well is have a, a good community and like a good, like support network for people. And like everyone has been for the most part, not always, but for the most part, very encouraging. Um, I agree that without a doubt, you know, so, and that's, uh, that's something that I don't, you know, I I've seen individuals inside of like, if I've gone to a match, there's been people that were like super, super helpful. Um, mm-hmm. and there are certain people that I know individually that are super, super helpful, but, I don't know that there's as much of that in the, the gaming community. I, I, I don't know. You'd have a better uh, perspective on that than I would. Um, you but, know, I, I think there are, but mm-hmm. I, I agree. It's, it's maybe different. I think it takes you kind of breaking. Right. You, you, you have to kind of break through a few of those barriers to, you know, for, I think, I think some people just kind of have their guard up and I don't know why. Well, but, hold that, know, hold that thought the, actually, because we got to go to break. Um, but we're okay. talking with Tim Heron. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire America's beacon of freedom. This segment brought to you by Wilson Combat. Wilson Combat, makers of the finest custom 1911s and scatterguns since... 1977, a legacy of quality, innovation, and service. Learn more about their firearms and accessories, as well as the EDC-X9, which offers discriminating shooters, 1911 match-grade accuracy, superior ergonomics, and concealability with modern service pistol capacity and reliability at www.wilsoncombat.com. So, we are joined by Tim Heron. So, before the break, we we were talking about the community, I guess, and... Stuff like that. Um, I want to sort of, I don't know, uh, get into like the mechanics of shooting real quick first, and then maybe we'll get back into that. But what was what was the breakthrough for you as far as the biggest jump in performance? Um, for me, it was it was without a doubt learning how to practice. Um, you know, I think of and it's like knowing or learning what purposeful practice is versus just, you know, going to the range for the sake of going to the range and, and thinking that, you know, what you might be doing at the range, you know, a hundred rounds or 200 rounds or uh, hell 500 rounds, you know, in a practice session and, and guys just, you know, shooting for the sake of shooting and thinking that that somehow that's making them better and realizing, you know, like when you're stuck on a plateau for quite a long time that, that, you know, maybe I'm not doing things correctly or the right way. So, you know, for me, that, that kind of, that breakthrough came in about 2012. I took my first like formal instruction, um, from actually from Mike Seeklander, who's probably, again, 
one of my biggest mentors, uh, not only just in the sport, but also as an instructor. Right. And uh, I, I took a class with him, and my biggest, you know, my biggest aha moment wasn't really in, like, learning one particular way to handle the gun or one particular skill or drill. It was, you know, like how to regiment your practice to start actually realizing results. So what, what, what's that, that look like, I guess? Um, well, it, it's a lot like, uh, I think about it, it's kind of the same thing in like going to the gym and having an exercise regimen, you know, um, like knowing what you want to work on before you go so that when you get there, you've got a game plan or a strategy, uh, you know, ahead of you to follow, you know, to, to be able to start realizing, you know, uh, progress. So, you know, and that comes with being able to utilize a timer. Um, and, and, you know, to have some sort of, you know, quantitative, you know, data, you know, or, or metrics in place to know and, and see what am I getting better at? What do I need to improve on? Um, you know, granted, there's a lot of books out there. There's a ton of, you know, of, of information from many, many, many reputable sources, too, um, you know, of, of like skills and drills and times and, you know, accuracy standards and things like that that, just knowing though what that information is good for and how to utilize that information in a means to help you progress as a shooter is, uh, you know, that, that, that kind of tends to be like what I want to specialize in or what I enjoy specializing in as far as teaching other people what worked for me. So I guess if, if folks are like, all right, I've been doing this for a while now and I'm stuck and I, I want to try this more regimented practice like you're talking about, where... Mm-hmm. Where do you think the skill is that most people fall down um, the most? Uh, where where should people start? I guess. Honestly, first, more than anything, and it's too easy to get kind of like wrapped around the axle when you see a bunch of like go fast guys, you know, like on Instagram or you know Facebook or all over social media. You know, there's always these guys that want to do these like you know sub one second draws to, you know, to shooting a target at three yards or seven yards or things like that. But it's, it's understanding and knowing just ac- what, what accuracy is, you know, uh, uh, being able to align the sights and hit every single target that you intend, you know, to point the gun at and shoot at. Um, I think so many people get lost in, in trying to go fast. Um, you know, even for the sake of just like, well, I, I saw this one guy one time on YouTube do it, so that must be what I got to do, and just not understanding or grasping the fact that, you know, all of, uh, you know, all speed is is a byproduct of the fundamentals mastered. So, <clears throat> I guess if, I guess what what I'm hearing at least is if you can't hit a static target with as much time in the world, 100% of the time, or at least close to it. Um, trying to go fast is maybe just going to exacerbate that problem. All right. So before, before we build off of anything, we, we start with accuracy. Absolutely. What do you think? Well, I was going to ask, what do you think an accuracy standard should be then that, okay, here um, I can do this. So I'm going to go fast now. You know, and I, that's tough. There's so many, there's so many, I guess so many people have so many different standards as far as, you know, like a standard of accuracy. For me, it's, uh, you know, like if you could, and I, I'm pretty sure anybody that's got access to a range, obviously just about any range has at least seven yards of distance to put between you and a target. 
um, you know, I would say being able to shoot at least a, a, a <laughs> this kind of might sound a, a little a little odd to say, but you know, like a one inch group at seven yards. Like, right. and it's and what I mean by that is like slow fire. Is given any amount of time that it takes necessary to shoot, let's say a group of five rounds in an inch in an inch group or less, is okay. a, is a very very good. That's a very good starting point. So, if you've got like a, a like a paster, essentially a paster is an inch, yep. I I think. So if you put that up and you can, you can put five on the paster, then you're doing pretty okay. I would say so. Absolutely. Yeah. Then it, then it's time to start, you know, to, to start kind of adding to the, you know, to the equation there, whether it be, you know, even more shots or being able to do that from uh, different shooting positions, whether it's, you know, standing, kneeling, um, uh, you know, uh, maybe from around, uh, around a barricade or things like that. Um, and then being able to start putting time constraints on those, you know, on that type of thing. So, you know, now you're looking at say five rounds in a, in a one inch circle at three yards or five yards, you know, but under a, under a, a time constraint. So now things like, you know, ultimate grip pressure and your, your overall shooting structure and how you hold the gun and how you are able to return the sights, um, those types of things all then become, you know, very important to be able to, to follow up with adding speed to the equation. Well, so I guess, you you sort of mentioned it, and I, I'm pretty certain I know what you're talking about. But we've got like just to get into like some of the nuances here. You you said like alternate grip pressure, right? And what I what I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but I know that how I'm gripping the gun uh, sometimes changes based off of what I am doing. And I don't know if you're mm-hmm. the same way or not. But could we could talk about that for a second? We got about three minutes left in this segment. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, so when we talk about you know, grip pressure on the gun. I the 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 biggest thing that I see as far as a detriment to probably ninety five percent of shooters out there is that they might even have you know a great trigger control, but unfortunately they just don't exert enough grip pressure or force on the gun to allow the gun to do the things the gun needs to do, but be able to do things at a faster rate of speed or you know. It, I hate to say it, but this way, like having an excessive amount of grip pressure on the gun kind of allows you to kind of round off the edges, so to speak, um, when it comes to the fundamentals themselves. Right. You know, everybody talks about like aligning the sights and keeping the sights still and then being able to, to manipulate or press the trigger straight back without, you know, without uh, disturbing that sight alignment. And that's how you build accuracy. And I agree. But when you start asking people to do things under certain certain time parameters, or you want them to do things right now, you know, I mean, how often have you, have you seen a, a, a student or hell, even just a shooter, you know, sitting next to you, say an indoor range, you know, that like you start to see their fundamentals just start to break apart the minute they start really thinking about like a result instead yep. of a process. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the big thing. It, like the, to me, the biggest breakthrough is knowing that the, the process is aligning the sights and holding the gun with enough pressure so that no matter how I manipulate the trigger, I'm managing the sights to the best of my ability. So I, I kind of, I kind of steer people away from just constantly focusing on just trigger control. Mm-hmm. And let's look at the overall picture of I want to manage the sights because 
the same trigger control that we use for, say, a 25-yard like E8 target is going to be completely different than, say, a seven-yard A zone on like a, an IPSC or USPSA target. You know, you're not going to use the same trigger fundamentals. You know, at, at three to five yards or three to seven yards, you're going to, you know, if I told you to put six rounds on target as fast as you can, you're not going to do that with the greatest trigger control ever mastered. You know, it's, it's you're going to slap the hell out of the trigger, and there's the only way to do that and get the hits that you expect to get is to grip the gun and just honestly the process of just managing the sights. Well, we'll talk about that in a second because I, I have some opinions, and I'd, I'd like to hear what you think, but we got to go to break. We're talking with Tim Heron. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire America's beacon of freedom. This segment also brought to you by Surefire. Know your target and what is beyond it, but how can you really know your target? By shining a really bright light at it, and that's where Surefire comes in. From the new 1200-lumen EDCL-2T handheld or 500-lumen EDCL-1T handheld to the 1000-lumen XH30 or the upgraded 1000-lumen X300 Ultra fits in all your old holsters. Surefire can make sure you never have to yell, Aziz, light, ever again. Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tools. So, before the break, you were talking about trigger control and management and how that uh-huh. process changes um, depending on what you're trying to do. And I guess what I am curious about is, do you think there is more than one way to skin that particular cat? Um, I do. I, I do. Um, you know, like I said, I, I, there's, I'm sure quite a few of the listeners, you know, as well as, uh, you know, those of us that, that shoot very regularly, you know, I've heard like there's, there's multiple different, you know, ways to, to press the trigger, you know, or to manipulate the trigger, whether it's like resetting on recoil or, you know, like the pin and reset or, you know, bringing up, you know, the, the trigger take up to the wall and then breaking through the wall, you know, as you as you break the uh, you know break the shot or slapping the trigger, and you know I, I think I think a shooter has to be able they're they're going to use probably every single one of those types of triggering techniques depending on distance uh, depending on trigger di- or um, target difficulty um, and depending on, on on speed of the shot needed to be taken at that particular time so. Uh, but I think the one thing that, that kind of doesn't change is the importance of pressure, you know, of, of grip pressure on the gun to manage the sights. Well, so and that's something that I've not <clears> – <throat> I don't know that I've heard as many people talk about as far as managing the sights. I've heard, you know, trigger management. I've heard discussion on grips, but I don't know that, you know, sight management has ever been – like a topic of conversation I've heard come up a lot. So mm-hmm. I guess talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, for me, like so many people get wrapped around the axle about, like I said, about like trigger control, you know, and like what level of trigger control is needed for a particular shot. But the problem is a lot of times is you can have the greatest trigger control in the world, but if you're not able to manage the sights, you know, effectively, and that's, you know, and we all kind of, 
you know, kind of know that obviously we want the, the, the site picture to be, you know, equal height, equal light, you know, uh, from the, the, the front post, you know, being directly centered in the, in the, in the rec, in the back of the rear notch, you know, of the rear sight and align those perfectly. But, you know, and if we, if we were taking one single shot, then it really doesn't matter how much we grip the gun as long as, as we, as we press the trigger and we don't disturb that sight picture, then obviously the shot's going to go right where we expect it to go. But when we start to do things like, okay, like let's accelerate the trigger press. You know, if I, if I put you under a time constraint and said, okay, now instead of having all of the time in the world to ensure that you've got the sights lined up and you've got all the time in the world to focus on doing nothing more than pressing the trigger without disturbing that sight picture, pretty much I can get just about any student or any shooter to do just that. Now, when I, I tell them, okay, I want you to press the trigger when I tell you to press the trigger. So all you're going to do is just watch the sights, and then when I tell you to go, you're going to press the trigger. Immediately, trigger control kind of goes out the window because they're, they're pressing the trigger based on, you know, on an input given from an outside source, right? Yeah. So when they do that, then they tend to do things like flinch. They tend to do things like anticipate what, you know, what's going to happen. They try to fight the level of recoil, um, you know, and it gets even worse when I say, okay, I want you to do that, but I, I want you to shoot three shots downrange as, you know, within a, if I tell you, shoot, 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 I want you to shoot at that pace as soon as I tell you when to go, you know, and then of course the problem just gets worse and worse and worse. And it's because they're trying to focus on just uh, like focusing on a result, or an outcome. And that outcome is when Tim tells me to shoot, I'm going to press the trigger despite any other circumstance. So they, they tend to, to pay less attention to managing the sights or a sight picture, you know, in, a, in an effort to make the gun go off right then and there. So I, I kind of preach or kind of teach, let's just focus on sight management. And if your only job as far as a shooter is to is the process of gripping the gun as hard as you can and managing that particular sight picture, then you're going to press the trigger however you press the trigger, whether it's an accelerated press, whether it's slapping the trigger, whether it's a smooth, steady input on the trigger until the gun goes off. You're going to do so at whatever rate it takes to do it based solely on just watching what the sights are doing. Like your only job as a shooter is to stand behind the gun and manage that sight picture and just keep that sight picture perfect. And lo and behold, amazingly, shots happen to be placed exactly where your point of aim, your point of aim was. Well, so you said something there. Um, your only job is to keep the sight picture perfect. But something I have run into um, is shooters that don't necessarily understand a wobble zone, and they are trying to hold the sights still in a way that will never happen. And I'm curious if... You know, you think care needs to be taken as far as when we use language like that to get across the point that, I mean, do you, you, you know what I mean, though? Like the sight picture. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Like the perfect sight picture, there is no such thing as a perfect sight picture. There's only such a thing as an acceptable sight picture for the shot required. So yeah, me, me saying perfect sight picture, you're right. That, that's, a, that's a misnomer. You know, like I want the shooter to be able to manage the sights in a way that when they're ready to press the trigger, the, the sight picture that they're managing is acceptable for, the, for the, the level of accuracy needed. So how do we, 
I guess how do we impart on people what that is? Is that just something that comes with experience, or is there a way to get that across? There is a way. I, I believe there is a way. Um, I, and it's something, again, that I, I think a lot of a lot of instructors do teach. Um, I, I know I, I first kind of learned about it, uh, again, from, from my Seeklander, um, the, the site deviation drill. You know, and that's where you kind of just learn the limitations of, like, what the most extreme sight pictures that you can, you know, that you can actually see with the gun and what what that level of accuracy looks like. So, you know, like, for me, I, I demonstrated at 10 yards, um, you know, to my classes. And, you know, I, I tell everybody, obviously, you know, what we all strive for is that perfect, you know, equal height, equal light front sight to rear sight relationship. And when we, put, when we do our job as far as managing that sight picture and pressing the trigger straight back and not disturbing that, we obviously we get a dead center, like, you know, right on the letter A of, a, like a, of an A zone target, you know, on a, a USPSA target. But then let's deviate that front sight all the way to where we've taken away all the light from the left side of the, uh, left side of the front sight to the left of the rear notch. So we bury that front sight all the way to the left. And let's you know, and then we're going to press another shot and see what that what that impact point is on the target. Then we're going to do that to the right. Then we're going to lift the front sight all the way out of the rear notch, you know, to where the bottom of the front sight is lined up with the top of the rear notch. And we're going to press a shot there. And then we're going to bring the front sight all the way down to where it's just barely visible, or until it absolutely just disappears below the the rear notch, and press that shot. And the main thing is is to get a student to understand that. Honestly, at 10 yards, they're, they're pretty blown away if they've never done it before with just exactly what they what is an acceptable sight picture and what level of accuracy they can actually get away from with a lot less visually. Well, so, and then we didn't even get into whether or not uh, we've moved into the, uh, I guess, 21st century and have a dot on our gun. And that, that <laughs> makes life a little easier, but a little harder, too. And that's the interesting thing, too, is that, um, and I know you're not, I don't know how much you've actually played with a dot or not, but I know you're not thought of as a dot shooter. But for me, and listening to everyone talk about that, it's um, the amount of information that I now have that I, I was used to with iron sights just not having. And that was the part mm -hmm. that was distracting. You know what I mean? And, and it's, the other thing, too, is that so many people, you know, the mantra, especially with iron sights, has been preached for so long. You know, that, that whole front sight focus, focus on your front sight. You know, when you start to see, a, you know, like in a competition, God, it, you hear it so much, it, it makes me want to punch a baby sometimes. You know, people are like, oh, gosh, you're missing. Front sight, front sight, focus on your front sight. It's like, no, you know, like it, it's, that's not the fix. You know, and I think so many people get affixed on this, this old mantra preached of front sight focus and everything is based on the front sight when in reality, you know, like when we're trying to do things at, at a rate of speed, you know, we, have to, we actually need to start being able to look through the sights just the same way you kind of treat a, a red dot sight. You know, you've got more of a target focus and the, the, the red dot is just kind of superimposed on the target and you press the trigger obviously without disturbing or allowing a certain amount of movement um, from that dot, you know, just being superimposed on a target that you're keeping a, more of a focus on the target. The same can be done with, with, uh, with iron sights. And in fact, it, I encourage it, you know, um, not everything needs to be like this perfect, like 
three levels of, uh, you know, three planes of visual acuity to a target, a front sight, and a rear sight. You know, somewhere along the way, you've got to learn to start blending those together. Well, and that's something, too, that you see a lot of people, or at least I run into a lot of people, where they, they're talking about these things, and it's very clear that they've only ever done what they're doing. They've never tried any other way, and they think the only way to be successful is doing what they're doing. And like, then, then it's like people pick these hills to die on. And, you know, we got, we got about like a minute and 10 seconds left in this segment, but what, what would you say to those people? They need to experiment. Um, you know, the, the problem is, is everybody talks about wanting to get better, but they don't know how to get better, but they're afraid in their own practice to experiment or step out of their own comfort zone, you know, like, and, and, and do it for the sake of learning, you know, maybe it's not right, but you know what? It's, I tell students this all the time, too. Like, we learn from the mistakes we make, not the successes that we, that we achieve. You know, like, we don't really learn anything from doing the same thing right all the time. You know, but we, we sure as hell learn a lot from, like, okay, that was wrong, and why was it wrong? You know, what, what made that wrong, and why didn't I get the, 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 you know, the perceived results I wanted? So, you know, a lot of times people, like I said, they, they go to the range and they, they do the same thing over and over and over again. But then they wonder, how come, I can't, how come I can't improve? Well, you're not improving because you're not challenging yourself. You're not, you know, whether it's just learning to see less, whether it's learning to press the trigger faster, you know, it, there's, there's so many different things that a shooter could be doing to constantly progress their skills that they're just afraid to. Right. Well, hold that thought because we don't know. Yeah, we got to go to break. We're talking with Tim Heron. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Surefire, the professional's choice for suppressors and illumination tools. Surefire, America's beacon of freedom. This segment brought to you by BigTexOutdoors.com. BigTexOutdoors.com is the best place for you to find all of your everyday carry needs at the absolute best prices. Maybe you need all the lumens from Surefire at the lowest price. No problem. Spend too much time alone in your room, and now you need an RMR on your carry pistol. BigTexOutdoors.com has those. Glock accessories? Yes. Fast, cheap shipping, 100% hassle-free returns, all that and more. And best of all, BigTexOutdoors.com has Ike. He's a good man and thorough. I like Ike, everybody likes Ike, and you'll like Ike too. Visit BigTexOutdoors.com today and find out what happens when every customer is a friend, not just an order. So, we're talking with Tim Heron, my, my favorite giant of the, the shooting community. And I mean that with all the love in my heart, right? Jeez, <laughs> you know. So and <clears throat> sort of before the the break, we were talking about how people just they see something they're unfamiliar with or hear something they're unfamiliar with, and they're very quick to just like hop on that and be like, "No, you're wrong." And it's like, "Whoa, um, you know." And, and here's a really interesting example. I thought so. In uh, full disclosure, Wilson sponsors the show, right? But uh, Wilson Combat posted a video of Bill Wilson running one of his drills. And the way he manages the trigger is very, very interesting because it's an old revolver technique where he's coming all the way off the trigger and out of the trigger guard in between each shots, you know. Uh Um, But he's still running like quarter-second splits easily. So, And you can't see it unless, um, you know, unless you're looking at it. I mean, well, 
depending on what your C speed is, I mean, you know, I've got pretty good C speed and I know you do too. So, um, we would probably be able to spot it, uh, relatively easily. But as far as people watching it on video, unless the video is slowed down, it's hard to see. Right. But like I, people in the comment section were like, why is he doing that? And I'm like, it seems to be working pretty okay. He's shooting very quickly, very accurately, you know, and people are just very quick to like see something and criticize it, you know? Yep. Instead of trying things. And and that's, that's another way. I mean, to me, that's, that's the ultimate way to grow is, you know, uh, to, to be willing to step outside your comfort zone and try things, you know, experiment, you know, how often, or should I say, you know, when, earlier in your shooting career, John, was, you know, was there ever a time that somebody might have come up to you and said, hey, you know, like, you need to start gripping the gun harder. And I'm sure, I'm sure you say, well, yeah, probably all the time. But did anybody ever say, okay, I need you to experiment, you know, like try gripping the gun like through a string of 10 rounds, you know. And, and what I mean by that is just like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But doing so while varying your grip pressure with your support hand and seeing what the results are, not just on target, but what the results are of the gun itself. You know, like what, what feedback are you getting from the sights? Are you able to track the sights better when you in, increase your grip? Or, you know, does the gun move around so much more in the hands that it almost becomes unmanageable as you start to loosen the grip? And then kind of feeling out what works best based on kind of being able to, to self-diagnose. Well, so... I was very lucky in that um, when I first got serious into this, I started with a lot of super knowledgeable people around me, you know? So, like, mm-hmm. um, like I went and I, I took, like, two separate occasions, like, private lessons with, like, Bob Vogel, you know? And, uh-huh. and, and you know, was connected with uh, Tom Givens very early on and stuff like that. So I, I think my coming up at least in the serious shooting phase was very unusual for most compared to most. But like, I know in my own classes, like something that I'm trying to get people to, or at least get people to consider is like neutral. And I call it neutral, um, kind of like neutral sight bounce almost to where the sights are returning to the same place without diving or, or, or being raised too much. Um, and like, right. I, th- I think everyone's like got different ways or different things that they're focused on. And it's just kind of interesting to see what we, what we place, you know, what we place value on. But like, yeah, that experimentation is super important. I agree. And, and you're right. Absolutely right. You know, when, when people, you know, God, I see it every single day, you know, you I, I'll post a shooting video on YouTube or on Facebook or something, or, you know, a, a good friend of mine that's, you know, might be a high speed, low drag type of shooter, you know, might, might shoot a gun and, you know, post a video of them shooting a gun. And somebody, you know, there's always somebody that's going to pipe in like, Oh my God, he's able to keep that gun so flat, you know, and Oh man, all that grip pressure. I mean, he's really able to, you know, to, to mitigate recoil. And it's like, okay, so he's keeping the gun flat, but you know, are his shots stringing low you know, because he's trying to overdrive the gun as a, as a means of like trying to, you know, the byproduct of trying to fight the recoil instead of just kind of allowing the recoil to happen. You know, I, I tell people all the time, like, so what? Like if the gun lifts, you know, a half an inch to an inch as it's, as the slide is cycling back and recoil, I don't care. You know, for me, it's, it's all about, you know, the, having the grip pressure on the gun is all about returning the sights to the exact same place 
that they just left from. Exactly. You know? well, and, and, and that's something, too, because, like, people talk about um, site tracking, you know, and I've, I've gone back and forth on that. Right. But like for me and I, what I've, cause I've had people ask me lately about that. And I'm like, I don't really care where the sites are when they're not where they need to be. I just care that they go back to where I left them. Exactly. Like, yeah. I can't do anything about the sites when they're listed in recoil, like the shots already broke. Like, right. What do I care what it does? Yeah. What I care about it is I want the sites to return back to the exact, exact same place that I broke that first shot so that I'm ready to break the second shot immediately. Right. Well, and that, that's something, you know, that's, that's almost heretical too, depending on where you say that at. And we got about, you know, a minute and a half left in the show. Right. But what, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, and again, so, so I understand what you mean by that. And what I'm not saying, you know, I'm not telling somebody like, okay, they need to be, to, to take that next shot immediately, but I want the sights returned to the exact same spot where I broke that first shot so that I am readily available to take the next shot as needed. Right. So I, I guess is, is the better way of, of putting that. No. And, and that makes sense. Um, dude, we're coming up towards the end of the show. If people want to train with you or like learn more about you or anything, how can they do that? Um, well, you know, it, for, for the longest time, it's all just been kind of social media. Uh, so I've got a couple of different Facebook pages. My regular Facebook page is Tim Heron. Um, and my, I've got a, an athlete or a shooting page. It's, it's Tim Heron shooting. And, uh, I just recently, um, within the last uh, month and a half or so, uh, finally got my website launched and that's Tim Heron shooting.com. Nice. And, uh, on that website, it lists all of my available classes, what my class curriculum is, um, uh, prices availability for classes. It's got my, my class schedule and calendar on it. Um, it's also got my email address as well as phone number to contact me if you want to set up a class in your area. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been great. This is, it's been a fun journey and I'm looking, looking forward to, to seeing how far this will, this will go. Nice dude. Thanks so much for joining me tonight. I, I super appreciate it. And it's always fun. Uh, hopefully do I get to see you at shot show or no? I'm sure hoping. Okay. Um, uh, I, I will know for sure <laughs> by tomorrow. So I, I would love to be able to make it. That's, well, for, that's for darn sure. I, I hope so, too. Dude, thank you so much. I'll talk to you later, all right? Hey, make sure you check all out right. our website, BallisticRadio.com. Like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. And keep leaving those five-star reviews on iTunes. We really appreciate it. It helps us out. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, be safe. See you next week.